Before we start today's show, I want to invite you to join my community of SaaS founders, agency owners, and others who are sharing tips, tricks, strategies, and tactics for creating successful cold outreach campaigns. It's a free group on Facebook called Cold Outreach Mastery, and you can get there by heading over to morgandwilliams.com slash community. And if Facebook isn't your thing, but you still want valuable cold outreach advice, head on over to morgandwilliams.com slash newsletter and put in your best email to get first in line for valuable resources that I share on how you can fill your calendar with sales meetings and your pipeline with opportunities. Now, let's start today's show. Do you know the fastest way to generate leads? Look, there's no shortage of software, templates, tools, personalization, hyper-personalization, and hacks for cold outreach. But once you strip everything down to its core, do you know the most efficient way to quickly generate B2B sales conversations? Look, getting bogged down in the tech can leave you stuck in analysis paralysis. So where do you start? What do you do? And most importantly, how do you keep it simple? My guest today is Alex Gray, the co-founder of an agency that specializes in sales development for manufacturing tech companies. In this episode, you'll learn how Alex creates outbound sales campaigns that don't fail and how he got a meeting with SpaceX for his client. If you're looking for a simple process to start generating B2B leads immediately for your business or your day job, you'll definitely want to tune in. By the end of this episode, you'll know exactly how to quickly generate sales conversations and optimize underperforming campaigns. Make sure you listen to the entire episode and I'll see you on the other side. What if you knew exactly how to use cold email, LinkedIn, the phone, and other sales channels to get new meetings and customers for your B2B product or service? Morgan Williams is an enterprise sales rep that's obsessed with cold outreach. If you're sick and tired of fluff, theory, and general advice on how to sell to cold prospects from people who haven't sold anything in the past 20 years and instead want detailed, tactical, step-by-step instruction, this is the podcast for you. Each week, he'll interview salespeople, consultants, and entrepreneurs about actual outbound sales campaigns they've run with real numbers and results. Each conversation will be a deep dive into deconstructing a specific campaign's results, as well as the strategy behind You'll get the opportunity to peek behind the curtain and see what's actually working now in cold outreach. Welcome Welcome to to Outbound Outbound Metrics. Alex Gray is the co-founder of Growth Boost, a B2B lead generation company for manufacturing tech companies. Alex, you ready to dive in? Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Uh, Happy you're here. How does your agency get results? Yeah, we get results first off through a solid strategy. So uh, getting to know the client, getting to know their market, getting to know their value proposition, getting to know kind of what makes them unique. We only work with companies that have something unique going on. Like it's really, there's a sea of companies out there, right? That just kind of like, they're just kind of doing the same thing as everyone else. And in lead generation, I mean, as, as everyone knows, you know, it's just really difficult to get results, you know what I mean, in industry and kind of companies that don't have their own mentality, their own strategy together. So yeah, we try to work with companies that sort of have a good, unique value proposition. And really a lot of the work goes in in the upfront stage, just figuring out, you know what I mean, who's this target market? How do they speak? What's the language they speak? Manufacturing, we speak with a lot of engineering, we're pitching to a lot of engineers, a lot of kind of higher level people. A lot of the founders in those spaces are like guys from their garage, you know what I mean? They were just building shit in their garage, like from the the get-go when they were kids and they just grew some multi million dollar company. So, you know, a lot of times those guys are real tinkery kind of engineer kind of guys. So you got to speak that language. And I think in anything, whether it's, you know, SaaS or I don't know, consulting, whatever it is, right. Everybody kind of has their own language in their space. So kind of just understanding all that stuff. That's really one of the biggest kind of milestones that we try to hit is just to really have a good understanding, write the copy in the spirit of the sales reps that we're representing and kind of the, the overall voice of the company. So that that's number one. Number two is being agile, you know what I mean? I'm really into this concept nowadays called commander's intent. And it's like kind of a military thing, like a, like a deep military mentality, but it's basically like uh, the equivalent of like, we need to get over the hill. It doesn't matter how we get over the hill. Like we have a plan and it's to get over the hill, right? You know what I mean? It's to get mm-hmm. the client leads and they need to get qualified leads. 
the way in which we do that, the plan is in place, but it may, you may have to improvise, right? Things might not work the way that you initially think. Things might go wrong. People might drop out and screw up and have to go on vacation. I don't know. You know what I mean? Things like right. that. And in the business, obviously, it's not as <laughs> mission critical as in the military, but you know what I mean? Like the same kind of being able to improvise, being able to have a backup plan, have a couple of different kind of like ideas. So a lot of times, you know, we're kind of combining kind of an outbound approach with an inbound approach and kind of creating demand while we're sort of capturing intent at the same time. So a lot of times it's a combination of like ad roll, kind of like ad warm up before cold messaging, or sometimes it'll be Google search, Microsoft search, you know what I'm saying? Like never leaving a stone unturned, you know, while kind of going into a strategy. So just making sure that we're always have our bases cover and just, you can't fail. If you, if you come in with commander's intent, right? Like you can't fail. There's no way you're not going to get to the end goal. Yeah. Because you're prepared for that. You're prepared for the plan to totally fall apart and decimate and you have to just pick up the pieces and everybody has to be able to improvise in that way. So I think overall, that's how we get results is just by not accepting the idea of not getting results. You know what I mean? And again, Absolutely. screening the client up front and making sure that they've got a product worth getting results for it, so to speak, or whatever, making sure they got something special going on to where it's not a sea of competition and a commodity. And you're just, I don't know, with the bullhorn, you know what I mean? Out yeah. There. Who's the loudest, right? Who's the loudest, right? Yep. Cheapest, so making loudest. sure you screen that client up front well to make sure a good match after you do that, getting crystal clear on their industry, their market, their prospects and the language of the industry which I know is very important in logistics. I've spent some time in logistics. So, um, oh yeah, oh, logistics important. is huge. Yeah, you got to know all those those little acronyms, buzzwords, those little things. Yep, you got to know them, man. Otherwise, absolutely. Like, you, you ever worked in logistics before? You know, <laughs> so absolutely. Kinda, yeah, yeah. And then having that commander's intent, you have that north star you're going for. Just making sure, like, exactly. however we have to get there, we got to get there. So, I love exactly, it. man. What would you say makes your agency different or unique? Like, again, we don't really, it's a lot of strategy. So we're all like the whole team, we, we have a team of four people. So small team, you know what I mean? We're able to do a lot as four people because we all kind of have backgrounds in different aspects of marketing in general. We're all kind of marketing guys. Like we kind of all dip into sales. I sort of got the passion for sales more than marketing at some point. Cause I worked in marketing for a long time and just being like in those silos is really hard. And I feel like mm -hmm. the sales floor is like where the magic kind of actually happens. So I just got like a lot more acquainted with that, but you know, I'm kind of a marketing guy, kind of a design guy, kind of like a more artist kind of guy at my core or something like that, the way I grew up and where I come from. But it's like, we're all skilled marketers that are all kind of doing our own thing a different way. So we're all able to come together and essentially get that commander's intent going properly because we all have like a multi-skill set. So like I can write copy, I can design web pages, I can create a Google search campaign in a day. I can write a cold email thing. I can automate cold email. I can warm up on a cold email. I can build a list. I can write, it's like, mm -hmm. I can do everything. My partner Raul can do everything. Like all of us basically can do everything. So when we enter an arrangement, it's very much like, yeah, just like there's no option to fail. And also since we've niched down into kind of, you know, industrial like manufacturing and robotics and um, things of this nature, it's gotten a lot easier to get results because we just get to know the industry more and more. I worked in the space for the last 10 years doing like, you know, everything from web design to just, you know, consulting, marketing consulting for, for guys like that. So taking companies from like uh, 20 million to 40 million to 60 million, yeah, da, 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 just helping them grow like that. So yeah, once you've kind of been in an industry, it's a lot easier, man. When I kind of like go into SaaS and I go into other things that are not like the comfort zone for me, honestly, mm -hmm. and the client isn't the comfort zone, it doesn't work as well. It's more of like an uphill battle. And, and I find that just having that niche, it, it propels us forward. So we're looking to be the number one, uh, you know, manufacturing lead generation, direct marketing, you know, company in the world. So that's really the the goal. And I think that's kind of what sets us apart. It's, it's an overlooked industry, as we kind of spoke about before, yeah, too. People absolutely. definitely not sexy, definitely huh. not. <laughs> you know, a lot of people find it to be pretty mundane, I guess, you know what I mean? And they don't really understand it even, you know, people kind of like order Amazon and do their thing. They don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. I think right. you're in logistics, so you know, you know what I mean? It's like all the insanity and FedEx is a good, you know, example of like some commander's intent example of an industry, right? These guys do the same thing. Like that package has to get there by this time, right? So there's 
to me, it's really exciting personally. So I find the industry really exciting. I find the whole idea of a supply chain really exciting. Like how mm -hmm. just, and we're kind of a part of that, right? We're like at the, somewhere in that middle side horizontal area, sure. you know what I mean? Like helping these companies to kind of get their leads, but it's like, they're answering to people down the line. Deadlines are so fixed. It's, I kind of love it. Yeah. So mm -hmm. highly technical, but not like SaaS kind of software up in the air. Like sometimes you see these SaaS websites and it's like, what do you guys do? You know what I mean? Right. Like, well, I just read sure. the whole page and I don't know what the hell, what the hell you're doing. You know what I mean? So I like how this stuff is really direct and uh, you know, yeah, it just really like keeps the world turning to a certain extent. So teams got experience with several disciplines through having experience in those disciplines, you know, you're able to combine and use your creativity together. And the fact that you're operating within a niche, I hundred percent agree. It's much easier to master that niche, right. that industry. If you're, if your circle is smaller that you're operating in. Exactly. You have to exactly. be good at this much instead of this much, right? Yeah. Yeah, man. And you get kind of used to the flow. You just get used to the flow and kind of, you know, there's something to be said about being able to go to a company and go, Hey, so how do you guys generate leads now? I assume it's a, it's a lot of trade shows. You know what I'm saying? Like just being able to tell them, you know, instantly resonate with them of like, Oh, whoa, you know? And then they, they go, sure. so what do you guys do exactly? How do you generate the lead? Well, it's a lot like how you guys manufacture products, right? We like, the copy and the, and the creative and the ads, this is all like the raw material, you know what I mean? And then we got to kind of form that into a thing. You know, it just, you can speak in their kind of language and it just becomes this, this script after a while where you just feel really comfortable. So yeah, Definitely. I encourage everybody to get into a niche, man. I mean, like just no matter how mundane it is, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, like these mundane niches are, are, are the ones that are popping right now, in my opinion. They're the ones that are, that are COVID proof, you know, whatever, right? Whatever future COVID we might end up with, right? Like, you know, yeah. after, after the, the mutation and everything, right? Like it, COVID, COVID ain't going to end anytime soon in terms of like that kind of uh, threat. So, you know, just realizing that some industries are just bulletproof and they always will, like our manufacturing clients, they've been open through COVID the whole time, no problem. They, they can't close sure. it, right? There's, there's no way you can close that, that business, right? It's creating industry and it's bringing mm -hmm. home jobs home back to, again, you know, China and, and US are having some issues and stuff. So just, you know, that, like look for those arbitrages, I would say, you know what I mean? In those niches, because- Mm -hmm. Man, cybersecurity, for instance, like something sure. we sort of dabbled in a little bit. I mean, that man, it's just, just, it's just skyrocketing right now. You know, while everyone else is struggling, they're just, they're doing fine. So, sure, yeah, look for and that. You gold, guys, you know? productized pricing or custom? That's a good question. It's fairly productized at the moment. We're kind of um, pricing is kind of uh, evolving right now a bit. I have to say, you know, because we were very much more focused on outbound before, and so it was very productized. We have a couple of different arrangements that we can do for pricing for the different sizes of company. So we try to make it a little bit like that. Like we can offer kind of a, a paper lead situation when it comes to cold email and outbound and stuff like that. We can kind of like keep it just to that and sort of charge on the value of the leads that come in and kind of helping the startups and smaller shops and stuff to, to do their thing that way. When it comes to the full arrangement, it's, yeah, it's more productized than custom. I hate custom pricing. I hate having to, yeah. I think everything should be productized at the end of the day. And there should be only a couple of factors that really change the thing. And again, that's the beauty of being in a niche. Like there's, there's only so many channels that really work, right, for this niche. So, you know, I'm not, we're not like exploring Instagram ads, you know, anytime soon or anything like right. that. So it's, it's a pretty fixed like palette. It just kind of depends right. on the demand in the, in the market, you know what I mean, for what's going to sure. work. Your ideal customer comes yep. to, we know the industry, right? Logistics mm -hmm. industry, manufacturing. What about size and like other attributes? Yeah, good question. Uh, so yeah, our ideal client is, again, it's pretty diverse just because we're able to, these kinds of lead generation techniques, I mean, they work for small, smaller shops, right? Like we have a client right now that's in the, they're in the 30 million a year range, which for like a a manufacturing company is not like, that's like without any marketing, without any, you know, we're just getting started with them and sure. it's like, that's where they're at without anything. So like companies, you know, in that kind of range where it's a bit smaller, like 20, 30 mil a year is, is good for us because they, they're usually a lot more agile and the founder is generally the guy that we're speaking to. And it's just, you know, it's, it's a very like intimate, it becomes kind of like a deep relationship that we can build with them. So I do like that size, but yeah, we've worked with companies up to, you know, 100, 200 million a year. They've got bigger teams and they've got a CMO and they've got stuff like that. And we're just bolting on to their existing systems and stuff like that. So yeah, size doesn't matter that much other than they can spend more and they have more opportunities to get more stuff going. But 
at that revenue level, yeah. I assume that size, I assume they're probably pretty specialized in what they do. Is that right? Yeah. 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 They almost always are. Yeah. They're our biggest clients right now. We're doing PCB manufacturing, PCB board manufacturing, right? Like computer chips and, uh, you know, computer, uh, like motherboards and stuff like that. Sure. Doing the actual assemblies of the things with the whole thing and building the boards. Another one's like an automated welding. So they're building like machines that automate automatically weld seams on like rolled pieces and things that are going to become, you know, water tanks and I don't know, you know, airplane parts, right? It's all, but yeah, they're fairly specialized, but a lot of times they go into a lot of different niches, right? Like that one application kind of applies to aerospace, applies to, you know what I mean? It applies to uh, medical manufacturing, you know, medical devices, da, 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 right? They can do a lot of different stuff. So I like that about the space is because, you know, they have, we can go after a lot of different targets. Usually it's, it's a specialized thing, but it's applicable to a lot of different industries and targets and stuff like that. So that's, gotcha. that's an advantage. Awesome. So the campaign we're talking about today, can you tell us about the, the client or the scenario that we're looking at here? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, so we have a client now, and they're the automatic welding company. So yeah, strategy on them, it's, it's pretty heavy on Google, uh, Google search ads, right? That's, there's a lot of demand in the industry for what they do. So we've Basically, they were doing a bit of Google search kind of with, with another agency that, I mean, I obviously like not naming names, but they were, I don't know, you know, there's a lot of these agencies that just kind of sit back and like, they just kind of, all right, cool, shit's running and they just yeah. kind of let it run, right? Like, they just right. kind of let it go. So, you know, they were getting uh, like $200 leads, which, you know, for them is not bad, actually. Like they can do $200 leads, right? But it was putting a strain on the whole kind of sales process. It was just like the leads were so expensive. They were so much pressure to close leads and stuff like that. So yeah, we came in and took over Google search and we also added kind of an outbound element to it as well and started doing cold email and kind of building relationships from the ground up with the cold email while the demand continues to come in. And uh, currently they're getting about 10 leads a day. And they went from getting them for like 200 bucks to getting them for like 60 bucks, 50 bucks, sometimes down as low as 40 bucks through like retargeting and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, really decent campaign for these guys. And they're, uh, they're booked seven months in advance right now. Yeah, they get booked in advance, man. They just can't produce that many machines. So they, they end up getting this waiting list going, which is just great That's for them. It's a good problem to have. Take a no step doubt. back really quick. So sure. Automatic Welding Company, they do automatic weld. They sell machines that do automatic welding. Exactly. So this exactly. is like ships, airplanes, heavy yep. machinery, welding those yep. together. Yep. And so when you're pro or who's their ideal customer that they're going after? Good question. Yeah. So mainly it's engineers. It's like factory floor managers and kind of top engineers on the floor. We're talking companies like, uh, I mean, they do sell to some smaller places, but you know, their main clients are like up in the, you know, the Lockheed Martin, you know, Dow Key kind of these sort of companies, you know, so SpaceX, we just got to lead from SpaceX, you know, stuff like this. Right. Wow. So they're, you know, these guys are, uh, they're buyers. They're looking to, increase the efficiency of the factory floor. They're looking to take, you know, high skilled labor that they have right now doing a million things and have them simplify the process. So they're just like pushing a button and then they can put their time over here. You know what I mean? So they're like 10 X productivity by using one of these machines and in, in the line lineup right so yeah it's generally engineers these are the guys very highly technical people highly skilled people guys that are running the factory floor at like a department of lockheed martin or something like this right you know for example and yeah yeah basically looking to kind of automate the workforce a bit and increase the efficiency of their engineers who now can use more of their brain power in other spaces rather than having to actually like you know deal with the weld itself you know what mm -hmm. i'm saying Gotcha. So. To do do more, not necessarily strategy, but less manual labor a little bit. and more. Yeah, a little bit strategy. strategy. I think yeah. more, yeah, I think it's more they're able to double, triple output in just baseline, right? So even if they're not putting that into like strategy or something there, I mean, they're, you know, they're popping out like 50 more parts, you know, an hour or whatever it is, or 200 more parts an hour, which just they're just making more money. They're just printing money once they get to that kind of efficiency level. So yeah. It's good for them. How did you build your outreach list for? Yeah. Yeah. Good question on that one. It was really easy. So yeah, I'll totally let you in on that. It's uh, this is a fun one. And I, I really like this in general uh, sure. in this kind of space. It's, it's fun. So LinkedIn sales navigator, obviously I'm sure your, your audience knows. And uh, <laughs> 
It's a wonderful tool. So one thing that I didn't fuck with much before, pardon, pardon my language, I, I'm going to speak like a sailor here, but uh, <laughs> yeah, right. groups, man, LinkedIn groups, right? Really? On, on, you know, in these kind of spaces, you know, LinkedIn groups are actually very strong, in my opinion, like, you know, not in all spaces, right? Like some spaces, it's kind of a, a mishmash, you're going to find more, oh, yeah. more success in Facebook groups or whatever. But, sure. you know, these groups in general, uh, we chose LinkedIn groups and engineering groups, robotics groups, uh, manuf- manufacturing groups uh, as a whole, all these kinds of groups. And there's just a million of them. And a lot of them are kind of these industry, they're um, trade show groups, people that attended trade shows and signed up for the group, right? Like, they're very like direct, also trade shows are a huge one. I'll talk about that in a sec, but using LinkedIn groups just to kind of find these pools of people, narrow it down a little bit by industry and sales nav, you know what I mean? Find just decision makers down to like the director level and up to the uh, kind of C level, you know, basically like just scraping those guys out and finding those kind of dudes that way. I really like uh, kind of the top down um, I call it the waterfall technique kind of, sure. of, of prospecting. So kind of using that, like going after the CEO, going after the president, going after the founder, a lot of cases in these companies and kind of trickling down through the ranks and kind of finding the right person. They forward that email. Hey, get out of a conversation with, with Alex like or Morgan or whatever. Right. And it's just, Very they well. kind of have to for their job, right? Like reach back out to you. So it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And then you get a champion in the, in the space. Yeah. One question. I do want to hear sure. about that, but with your LinkedIn group. So did you have to be a member of the group? group to see who's in it you have to join no, the groups first no no and uh, no in sales navigator you do not so if you've got sales navigator you can actually groups is a filter uh oh, in okay. sales navigator so you can i, I do that. my manual research and just kind of go and find the groups and kind of just like look through the group real quick sometimes they're private so you can't do that but for the most part you can kind of look see how many members are in the group where the group come from a lot of times it's trade shows which to me is like that's the that's the holy grail of this industry it's where everybody you know gets yeah. most of their leads and relationships so you find these like trade show groups and stuff like that. So you and find I'm sure a lot of really good, yeah. more reliable than the industry filter, which is kind of like, it is. you know, we even combine it with the industry filter to, okay. to actually like take out the marketing companies, take out the guys yeah. that are sort of in those groups prospecting. Right. So you can kind of filter those guys out that okay. way, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Without using the industry filter, you're finding people that really are like, took the time to add themselves to this like industry group, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which I like. Trade shows is another thing. Just the trade show, like even the expositioner uh, list or the, or the uh, I think I'm saying that right. But yeah, you know, like the, the list of people that actually like showed up and had a booth at the trade show. Okay. You also can go and find attendee lists. It's a little bit harder to do that. And there's, there's some, you know, doing a quick Google, you can kind of try to dig into those spaces. But just the exhibition list, like one trade show that almost all of our clients, most of our clients right now go to is called Fabtech, Fabri- Fabrication Tech, right? This mm-hmm. big trade show. You know, just go find, go to their website, look at the exhibitioners. You're going to find like a thousand people that have a booth at that place and they're trying to promote stuff and boom, there you go. You know what I mean? You just found like a thousand companies that all, you know, might need this. So you mentioned finding a champion. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of the time, especially in the bigger organizations, you know what I mean? Smaller organizations generally like founder or, you know, CEO or whoever is sort of like right-hand man of the founder or whatever it is, right. Might be a good choice to speak to, but in the bigger organizations, the more like 100 million up to a billion beyond, right, companies like these guys, CEO didn't have time to be dealing with emails in general. Like you might not even be getting to the CEO at all, right? He's like somebody screening their emails. They have this personal assistant in the office. Like I've seen it a million times. Like you go in the office and like dude is in his fortress. You know what I mean? Like he's <laughs> in his fortress. It's impenetrable. Like you want to come speak to the CEO, it, should be, it better be about some deep stuff, some deep yeah. <laughs> engineering issue they're having. And he's like, oh, you just got to tweak that and that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's geniuses. And so, so yeah, the champion is, is great because, you know, in a bigger organization, you can kind of trickle down CEO kind of goes, hey, John, you know, get with Morgan on this real quick. Cause like, he, you know, emailed me and I, I don't have the time. Get with Morgan real quick, sure. see what he, what, see what he's offering. And then, you know, let me know if it, if it, if it's something valuable, you know what I mean? Like screen this for me. And so what you end up getting with is somebody who's not the decision maker. He doesn't have like the wall up so crazy, right? Like right. with his time and everything with his energy and everything. And you get somebody that, that can be a champion or an influencer or whatever you want to call it. Somebody in the deal that is a stakeholder in the deal in the sense that, that they report to the decision maker. Right. But it's somebody that you can give materials and videos and knowledge and enable them with everything they need to then go up and upstream and go to the CEO and go, hey, I met with Morgan, man. It's kind of like 
it's kind of a good deal, I think. You know, yeah. I mean, we're not doing this. And these guys are saying, you know, they've worked with these guys, these guys that, you know, like, I got this video. You want to check it out real quick? Yeah, let's check it out. All right, cool. Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah, that's pretty good. You know what I mean? So you get someone selling into the organization and it doesn't necessarily make things easier. I wouldn't say like, it's not like, oh, you just give them a bunch of stuff and they'll sell for you or anything like that. Right. But it gives you a relationship inside of the thing where you've got multiple people you can kind of follow up with and hit up and sort of like stay top of mind with so that they can get closer to a, to a decision, you know what I mean, over time. And again, these are sort of more long-term deals in general, right, when you're dealing with bigger organizations. So it, it's not bad, right? The value is so large that you're, you're willing to kind of work into these, these champions. Yeah, exactly. But if they um, get raving about your goal, you know what I mean? If you get some guy who's like, dude, these guys are the shit, therefore they're going to crush this. We need these guys. We don't have this right now. Our sales guys are struggling. Like we have problems, you know what I mean? And then go to the CEO and really go, hey, man, I talked to the salesman. He's stressed, dude. We need these guys, you know what I mean? He'll he'll get the budget. He'll get the sign off. Boom. And you're hired. And, uh, sure. and that's that, right? So I, I love that champion kind of waterfall trickle down to the right person that's in, involved in that role and then mm-hmm. selling back up to the CEO and kind of like, getting that whole it's using the company's hierarchy as leverage exactly say it better myself you mentioned you got a meeting with spacex for this company what other notable companies that you're comfortable sharing that you got meetings with Sure. Yeah. Comcast was a big one. We worked with a telecom company. It was a SaaS telecom company. I can't mention any of this stuff, but they basically they're, you know, doing kind of a workload management kind of, it's not project management in that space. It's more like cell phone towers and you've got like multiple nodes on a cell phone tower that need maintenance and you got multiple dudes that are like drinking beer on the job. We're like, have to get on a rope and like climb (laughs) the thing and like fix the thing real quick. Right. So it's kind of this, uh, so managing that whole space, you know, a lot like logistics too. You know what I mean? There's these, these kind of supply chain management platforms and stuff that they use for the, the POs and the, the photos of the thing to make sure it's done. So yeah, this company basically, we were getting them front end leads, like normal leads, kind of like qualified leads for end buyers, right? And wanted to introduce a strategic partnership angle, which I'm a big fan of doing with any kind of like outbound stuff. It's like, if you're already going after front end leads and there's an opportunity to go grab somebody that could distribute you to their whole network or, you know, create a, some kind of affiliate deal or, or distribution deal with you. I mean, why would you not do that? Right. Like to kind of scale, especially like for more mature companies that have their product like really together. So they were going for it. They were like, yeah, strategic partnership sounds good. We started reaching out and we got them a meeting with telecom. They ended up rolling out their software to, or to with Comcast. And they, they ended up rolling out their uh, software to like a bunch of their channel network partnerships and stuff. And it totally like, did the ROI for the entire year worth of the campaign or something. You know what I mean? It just nice. like was just instant like success. So Comcast was a big one, you know, Uber. I mean, you know, I have kind of like a list I have, but yeah, uh, Bloomberg, you know, got guys like this, different, different applications, different things. Um, but yeah, some, this, some pretty big companies. With uh, any additional with this campaign in particular, or is this the same campaign? Uh, yeah. I mean, no, this, well, this campaign we've gotten, SpaceX was the biggest notable one that I've seen recently. Most of them are mid to large size shops that you, you and me would never know the name. Sure. Of. You know, yeah. They may be industry. notable in the industry, but not, yeah, like not really uh, too notable here, but yeah, SpaceX straight, you know, booked a, booked a meeting with them immediately. So that, that was, uh, I just happened to notice that one come through and go, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. That's, that that's is cool that's a good fit. You know what I mean? So yeah. At a high level talking about like touch points or just like kind of cogs in the machine. What does your outreach process look like in terms of like what you're using and how it connects together? Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's going to kind of depend, but uh, for the most part, you know, it's a very, uh, it's very for this one in particular. Yeah. For this one in particular, it's, it's mainly cold email, right? So like we like, I like email a lot myself. We'll do a LinkedIn touch point. I'll get into that in a second, but LinkedIn is kind of, um, you know, in my mind, we're not really content marketers. Like we're direct marketers, right? Like we want a meeting, we want action. We want, we want them to jump in the pipeline, having done something, taken some action that, that shows that they're like in market in some way, right? Whether that's in 12 months or whatever, it, it doesn't matter, but just like that they're, that they're in market. So we're not like really heavy on the kind of like content marketing side. So LinkedIn in our industry, it's a little tough. LinkedIn isn't, a lot of these guys are not active on LinkedIn, man. A lot of them are just very, right. like sure. they have a LinkedIn, but they don't use it. It's not right. something that they're really developing a lot. There is some shops now I'm seeing that are kind of developing a LinkedIn presence. 
but it's few and far between for me. I can't really like rely on it like as a source of, of leads in, in most cases. So we go after email and you know, it's really one-to-one. -one. It's really personal. Again, a lot of times these are engineers. A lot of times these are highly technical people. So it's, it's not your standard marketing agency outreach or something like that, where you're like, Hey, you know, uh, da, 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 I would dangle the carrot and kind of, you know, jump on a 15 minute call. And it's, it's more kind of like, Hey, what are you guys currently doing? It's a kind of a question. Like, what are you guys currently doing for your automatic, your, for your welding processes and how are you currently executing your welding processes? We, we're an automatic welding provider, blah, blah, blah. We'd love to like, you know, just see if there's a, a synergy here. You know what I mean? Something very personal, open-ended, not salesy in any way. Just kind of like, this is what we do. This is who, who we think you are. Do you guys have any needs in this, in this area? So it's kind of very formal. It's, it's fairly formal, fairly technical it's pretty um, straightforward. So we don't use any kind of like Jedi mind tricks or anything like that, you know, <laughs> trying to, trying to get people in uh, or anything. They generally, if they see it, they're also not the guys that get like a million emails a day. Right. Like, so usually if we hit inbox, which we always do, it's like, they see the emails, you know what I mean? And when they see them and they go, yeah, okay. Yeah. That's worth a call. Sure. Yeah. I'll jump on a call. How <laughs> you know, many not... touch points are in your four you, for this one Four. we just do four. So it's an email. I'll tell you my methodology behind that. I know a lot of people like to do like seven, eight, nine, whatever, but yeah, we do four because, you know, first email is kind of like the icebreaker and kind of opening the relationship. Second touch point is generally just a LinkedIn connection request, just in case they are on LinkedIn, open the client's network up a bit. You know what I mean? If they're, if, if our client is active on LinkedIn, they can kind of, you know, people start seeing their posts and stuff like that. So that's always advantageous. Again, we don't really take responsibility for that part of the thing, but we want them to get the best results. If they're not active on LinkedIn, we just won't do that. These guys, they are fairly active on LinkedIn. So email, first email, LinkedIn touch point, follow up email after that. Hey, Try to connect, you know, try to connect with you, try to, you know, shoot you an email uh, a week ago or whatever, you know, any interest in blah, 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 blah. And then finally, just a, a third email, like, hey, it looks like we're not, you know, getting in touch and, you know, maybe it's not a good fit for you or not, not the right time. You know, let me know if, you, if, you're, if you're looking for this or if this is, you know, helpful for you. So, you know, very simple. The reason we only do like three to four email touch points generally with Outbound is because to me, you know, if you're having to hit somebody eight times to get a reply, like that probably not going to be a very good client. You know what I mean? Probably not going to be the great, the greatest customer. Like if they've ignored you six, seven, eight times, you know what I mean? And so finally they're like, okay, fine. I guess I could like jump on a call with you. Right. Like, uh, sure. I guess, you know, you're just, I appreciate your persistence here. Let's go ahead and do it. You're finding those people who are closer bottom funnel. Yeah, man. And you four. can always recycle. What we'll do is like, guys that didn't respond, guys that didn't open, whatever, like guys that just didn't reply, we'll just roll those guys back into another campaign, kind of a slightly different campaign, like two months later, a month later, two months later, and we might try again. But yeah, like pestering them in a one sequence, like eight times, I feel like you're just, you're asking to get these kind of bottom feeder kind of leads where it's just, you're going to get them and get on a call and it's like a waste of time and they're not really in market and they just kind of were bugged by your email so much that they just finally responded, right? It's kind of like, you're just pestering people, you know what I mean? Which I, I just hate. And I think if you can have, if the copy is good and the strategy is good, if you have three, four emails, it, like people that are in market should be replying, you know what I mean? They should be at least like, yeah, that sounds kind of interesting to me. Shoot me more info at least, or, you know, call me right now. Here's my number. You know what I mean? So we go after that kind of uh, lead rather than the eight email lead. When using like an avatar from the client, like... Yeah, yeah as a, always. Okay. Yeah, um, 99% of the time, yeah. And for people listening, what I mean is Alex is, has an email address and is approaching these prospect companies as if he was someone at that company, right? So 100%. They've yep. given him permission as a client to, hey, you can use our email address or... It makes the most sense for us because uh, it's such a relationship-driven thing, you know what I mean? These guys and it's really... Just, um, more clear yeah. to who's getting it. Like, who is this company? You're talking about them. Like, I don't get it. 100%. You know, for sure. What tools are you using for, let's talk about for gathering these emails, contacts, mm -hmm. and then for sending? Yeah. So for gathering the contacts, we've got a couple of variety of ways. So it, it really depends on the complexity of the prospecting. Uh, in our case, like in some cases, we have a couple of freelancers that we work with that are, uh, you know, in, um, One's in Nigeria and uh, one is in Philippines. And they do, you know, basically they'll do our more advanced prospecting. So really manually going to these trade show websites, finding the company, going and finding their info, like manually building lists. So low volume, but like super high 
relevancy and high intent, high quality, sure. right? Like that kind of thing. We have other situations like this one I just mentioned with the LinkedIn groups where it's more like they could work with any robotics company, any an aerospace manufacturer, any blah, 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 right? So we'll just go in and look for these kind of communities, look for these groups. Like you said, not just rely on the industry filter, but actually go for like LinkedIn groups and communities and things like that. Mm -hmm. And we use our own software to scrape uh, LinkedIn in that case. So Growth Boost. And we'll just use that. Basically, it's unlimited scraping of LinkedIn for a flat rate, basically. So we'll just go in there, just kind of like click the button in Sales Navigator. Brrr, it'll pop out email addresses. Uh, we go through another layer of validation. We use Bouncer for that. Use Bouncer.com just to make sure, you know, we get like no bounce rate, like zero bounce rate, like in a perfect world, right? Like just make sure that's lower than 4% no matter what, right? And that's like, a tool you use to verify email addresses exactly. so that when you're emailing for people listening if you're emailing yes. people and you're getting bounces emails incorrect it can harm your deliverability and you may end it up in will it will later. kill your email man it will kill your email address. you'll have to go get a new email address start from scratch so are you using not... are you making a separate mailing domain or are you yes okay yeah so we set okay. up a domain similar to the client's domain right like just we usually use like dot xyz just you know the, the cheapest domains we can grab but we'll use those and uh yeah so We'll set up a G Suite for them. We warm up the G Suite for them. We have a couple of ways of doing warm up. We do manual warm up in the beginning. So we'll do like a 10 day kind of warm up, kind of smooth ramping up, warm up, natural, human done. In some cases, when we're going to be going more automation, like we use Lemlist when it comes to sending to cool. answer your question on that. So yeah, Lemlist is awesome. They also have a warm up feature. So we try to combine kind of a natural warm up with their little warm up feature. And we've had pretty good success with it. I, I've had some issues with the warm up feature sometimes and having else get blocked anyway and stuff like that. So we try to throw a little bit of a human touch into everything we sure. do. And that's one thing that we're really, really focused on. You know what I mean? Also, I'm experimenting right now with manual email sending, like legitimately fully manual mm -hmm. kind of VA based like email sending. So that's something that we're dabbling in right now and getting some pretty crazy results, man. Like sending the, the emails one on one on one on one is like, um, we do the follow-ups with an app called Rebump. So you just install that on the G Suite address and then basically load up the follow-ups and then manually send each email, right? Like um, notifies you when to follow up. Yeah, no, not even, it just does it automatically. It's more, it's kind of like a little built-in, okay. you know, kind of limbless thing, like uh, built into it. But that initial send is manual and there's no pixel. We don't track open rates on that stuff. So there's no, we only track reply rates basically at that point, because with manual sending, you can almost assume that 100% hits the inbox just because that one to one, if the email address is warmed up, each of those emails manually sent, they almost always hit the inbox and you can do little tweaks in the email to make them slightly different on each one and things sure. like this. Like, and it, I've seen that go a long way. And then you basically just track reply rate. It's all about reply rate and then all about qualified lead rate at that point. You know what I mean? So those are kind of some things we're doing. No, that's very fundamental deliverability, keeping things solid. I can kill you before you even get started. Uh, right? It's so tough, man. It's so tough. Yep. People replying to messages, right? Do you have, I know in the past I've used, you know, you start, and I'm sure you see it in the, and you're in the work in the same industry, but you get a lot of replies that follow several specific patterns, right? You start to, yep. you know, realize like people want to know the same, you know, price, you know, time, also, you know, depends on industry, but how are you managing these responses and when does yeah. the client take over? Good yeah. question. So um, that's a great question because that's really a defining factor a lot of times in sure. these kind of agency situations, right? Like where, what is a lead, right? What is mm -hmm. defined as a lead? Yeah. Like I'll go into that first. I mean, as far as like a lead goes, we kind of go by the predictable revenue model, you know, the predictable, pre uh, mm -hmm. the book predictable revenue. I really, I, I love that book. And I think the way he defines a prospect, a lead, an opportunity, you know what I mean? And, and a client, all these kinds of things. It's like, sort of like a lead is somebody that responds positively to something, right? Like end of the story, they're interested, they're somewhat interested. They're asking for more information. They downloaded a white paper. They att attended a webinar, you know, whatever, that's a lead, right? And then it takes that next layer on the client's end to sort of make them an opportunity to like, see if they're actually qualified in market, ready to go forward. So what we really try to do is book calendar dates for our clients with the prospects. And when they reply and they go, yeah, sounds good. I'm free Monday at, uh, at 10 PM or 10 AM, you know, we'll go hit 10 PM, right? 10 AM, they're <laughs> engineers, they're up late now. But anyway, you, uh, you, you know, you go check. We basically will have a link for a Calendly link for our client and we'll just actually go in there manually. We have uh, dedicated success managers. We like to call them that are 
kind of in communication with the client daily, checking in, making sure everything's cool, doing updates and kind of forwarding the leads that are interested. So best case scenario, we'll actually book the calendar date on the calendar so they can take that directly from a lead into an opportunity, like just kind of shortcut that process a bit. And in some cases, you know, in these industries, man, things can be so complicated that we can't possibly have a script or anything for every single sure. type of reply you might get, right? They might be like, hey, so like, are you guys like ISO 9, you know, 9001, blah, 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 you know, I don't know, you know, there's some crazy stuff that we don't really have the responsibility of knowing about sort of on the client. In that case, we'll just flip it in their CRM. This is all done manually at the moment. I am exploring some automation ideas here, you know what I mean, to, to kind of automate some of this, but Really, we found that having a human involved in that kind of process, it just makes it so much more fruitful for the client. And they really like, we're getting live feedback on everything that's happening. We check in with them weekly to get kind of sales report. You know, how did you guys close anything? How did the calls go? Oh man, that call was really good. That call sucked. That call was not qualified. That call sucked. Or where did that come from? Okay, cool. Let's go back to the source and let's go find where that guy came from. Let's make sure to omit those people. So just kind of like improving the process as it goes. Are you? Yeah, we try to. Yeah, we try to book the calendar day, man. That's the ultimate. The ultimate goal would be to book sure. the calendar day. So you're either someone. You're either booking them on the calendar if they say, "Yeah, I'm free this time." You book them. Exactly. But if they respond positively, you're putting yes. them in the company CRM. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Yep. Okay, cool. And, and make it an alert, whatever have you, to get them to respond as fast as humanly possible. We, we don't really have too many problems with that generally. They're, they're pretty CRM savvy, the sales dudes in those, in those spaces, you know, unless we've got one client right now that uses spreadsheets for their CRM, like they've been mm. using it for, you know, since ancient, since yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> ancient Greece or whatever, you know what I mean? Getting them to adopt and transition over to CRM system and stuff like that's pretty, pretty difficult. But generally we see with companies of that kind of size, with that kind of thing, it's just one sales guy. So you can even just forward the email and kind of, we manage the CRM to kind of help him out, right? A little bit. Sure. So yeah, whatever makes it easier for them to like follow up, qualify these guys and, and move forward. You know what I mean? Do you guys count that in your delivery to what you deliver to your clients? Do, yeah. Does a lead that goes in the CRM count differently than a booked meeting? No, at the moment, no. We kind of go that extra mile just, just to go the extra mile. If, the, you know, if, if somebody comes in like that, we want to be prepared to just get them on that scheduled meeting. You know what I mean? In some cases, clients don't want that. It totally depends sort of on the, on the client. But I mean, a lead to me is, is a positive reply with right. some kind of intention. And we, we just sell it that way. You know what I mean? And if, it, right. if we can push it to a book meeting, we will. So just that kind of thing. No and extra. it's part of that screening process up front of working with a company that understands the value of an interested prospect. 100%. Doesn't expect you to find somebody, take the call, close the deal and just give them money. You know, right. in a perfect world, that's the, what everyone wants. But, but yeah, no, it, I think pro in this space, we haven't had a whole lot of problems with this, honestly. Like I think yeah. people, they know they have but to work much the more lead. valuable leads too. Much more right. valuable leads, dude. I mean, these might be, I mean, you know, in a normal situation, those would be like $200, $500 leads. You know, sure. I mean, some, for most of us stomaching that is like, what? You know, how, how could you pay that for a lead? Meeting but, with yeah. SpaceX, I mean, that's worth 500 bucks. Easily, sure. easily for them. It's easily, not more. You know I mean? you it know? could be a seventy thousand dollar deal, like on the low sure. end. You know what I mean? So that, that's, that's just really, the first um, deal. I mean, that's the first got... machine. That's one component. They're not going to sure. order just one. So yeah, it's, the space is beautiful for that, and I love it for that because you know the, the deals are so high ticket. They're so high value. You know, if you're able to, like we were talking about, ten x, you know, an engineer's output. I mean. Mm -hmm what's that worth to you, right? As a giant organization making aerospace parts or something like that, right? It's like, that's, you know, that's going to change your business. So dramatically. Yeah. So it's wonderful, man. Yeah. I'm going to get and ask you about results of the campaign, but before that, I want to yeah. know points of optimization. You mentioned yeah. a couple before, but anything stick out in your mind as like, oh, we, this didn't go as we wanted, but we fixed it or we optimized it. So, yeah. Like yeah. Good question. It always happened. That's commander's intent, right? A little bit to, to an extent. It's like, it can always be better. It can always go better. It can always get, get over that mountain faster and more efficiently and, and you know what I mean, with, with better results. So yeah, I mean, you know, as far as on the list building side, like starting from the beginning on the list building side, like we see a bounce rate, there's something wrong. We need to basically go in there and kind of fix that. So that can be even something as basic as that. Deliverability, again, that's another issue, right? So just making sure that's on par and, and just making sure that that's solid. That can be 
especially with the automation that can be really difficult. We had a campaign recently that got like a 24% open rate when we first launched it and it was oh, like wow. devastating. So we had to go and flip, do 10 more things, warm it up a little bit harder, do three other things, you know, just start doing personal emails from that email address. It's like just anything you can do to boost that reputation and make sure you don't get, you know, kind of that blacklist. So deliverability is crazy. In the actual messaging, it's interesting. So we generally try to focus on two or three segments for a company when we first start. So we don't just kind of like spray and pray at one segment. We kind of try to go after, okay, like, so who are you guys selling to? Oh, we can do small shops with limited runs like this. We can do bigger shops with kind of more established companies that do more like this kind of thing. And then we could also go after like strategic partnerships with local, you know, I don't know, chambers of commerce and community things, trade shows, da 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 whatever, you know what I mean? The incubators in the, in the, in the uh, case of like robotics and things like that, right? Like kind of more tech stuff. So there's a lot of, you know, spaces for that. So doing that, we generally will come up with like a couple of different variations, like three variations on each message to each segment. And, you know, just kind of, uh, it's, it's kind of like a, we like to send in batches of like 200 to 400 to start out. So, you know, generally we'll get a, a pretty good barometer off of like a 400 email send where we kind of see, you know what I mean? What kind of response rate are we getting from this? And then we'll do a whole nother split test where we'll send another 400 with that different message, see how that comes in try to get as close as we can to being statistically relevant. We use kind of like a, a free tool online. It's called, it's called AB testing significant, uh, yeah. AB test calculator, power and significance, abtestguide.com forward slash calc, like calculator. So, you know, this, this kind of stuff. So we'll kind of measure based on that stuff, try to get it statistically relevant or at least looking like it is. And then, yeah, kind of go forward and double down and just keep testing. So we'll then send a, a bigger batch. So we'll go from 400 to like a thousand with the one, the, the winner and, and maybe do like, you know, another 400 on the side. So, you know, that's kind of the optimi optimization process. Subject lines are also being tested. So in the very beginning, you know, just literally testing the same message with a couple of different subject lines within that 400 send, just whatever we can do to kind of test a couple of different things, but always keeping it simple. I think, the biggest thing that people screw up in in marketing and sales is, is not keeping it simple, like overcomplicating things, mm -hmm. you know, and I've Absolutely. been, uh, I've been the worst at that in the past. I'm, I'm getting better at this point. You know what I mean? But just testing two subject lines with the same message is going to give you like at least something to look at. What Test after here. that. Then it's the actual messaging. Then it would actually be the, the actual messaging. So once you get a good subject line, that's getting like a good, you know, a decent open rate. If you can track open rate, at least a decent reply rate. I think reply rate is the best metric in cold email, in my opinion. I think open rate is kind of like, we don't even really know what that is. I think honestly, like things trigger the pixel and you don't even know it. There's like right. false positives in there. Yep. There's all kind of, I mean, you really never know about open rate, to be honest with you. And you're risking a lot because you're sticking this pixel on there. You know, that little image pixel to track the opens that has to go in that kind of email. So, you know, you're embedding an image that Google could see as spam. There's a lot going on with the open rate. Yeah, that I don't so want. Do you use the rate pixel for your automation campaigns? We do. And it really depends. Like if we get a 24% deliverability rate, like off our open rate off the first campaign, we'll, we'll delete the pixel and we'll just go sans, you know, sans open rate, like, you know, to increase deliverability. Sure. So it's, it's all about getting the emails delivered and looking at the reply rate. Because to me, again, the reply, a lot of people are like, whoa, I got a 30% reply rate. Yeah. But how many of those were qualified leads? Like how, how many of those actually like move forward and we're not like, oh, not interested, remove me, you know, da, da, da. Right. So it's, if you're getting like a 30% reply rate, that means you're getting a damn good open rate. And that means that the campaign's going pretty damn well, but then you have to kind of dig into, okay, but are these leads understanding what we're offering? You know what I mean? And like, right. Is the, right, like you said, the language, right? Everything has to kind of be somewhat, you know, it has to be short enough. It has to be sometimes an email so long that someone's just like not interested, right. you know what I mean? And so you just have to kind of, there's a lot of heuristics in it. I, I think cold email is one of those places in marketing where you're really like going off of the, the feel of it and kind of like the mm -hmm. feedback you're getting from the sales team. And like, it, it's a, it's a very heuristic process, not, not data, like hyper data oriented only on the reply rate, the interested lead rate. And you know, that those kind of base KPI metrics that, that you need to be tracking basically. But mm -hmm. yeah, so optimization goes to different phases, I guess. And then checking with the sales team is always the best thing you can do, I guess. And I think that's where we've gotten all of our success really. You know what I mean? If we were in a silo and not able to, communicate with sales and not able just doing our thing only, you know what I mean? It would be one thing, but since we communicate with sales and get some feedback on individual leads and stuff, you know, actually right. like go over, like, was that lead good? Right. It, it can, it can kind of change the, change the game. So absolutely feedback.
were the results of this campaign, open rates, reply rates, and if you have revenue numbers too, or like meeting book rates, revenue numbers. Sure, sure. I wish, yeah, I wish I did have revenue numbers. That that one's uh, that can be that can be a bit of a difficult Tough one, to get. <laughs> especially because well, it's, it's long sales cycles too. Like, long sales cycles, man. Like, I mean, getting you know, yeah, getting a lead at, at SpaceX is great, but I, that that could be a six month, you know, 12, 12 month deal. If you're, lucky. So yeah. if you're lucky. Right. So yeah, they're, they're pretty good over there. So, you know, honestly, the, it does depend a lot on the sales team and how mm-hmm. good they are, obviously. So sure. it's all, it all playbook is important sales playbook. So yeah, results of the campaign. I mean, it was so open rate be damned. It's up in the 80 percentile, like last time we checked. Right. But we pretty much like ditched the open rate to just get better deliverability. Again, I, we like doing that because I, again, I, to me, it's a bit of a vanity metric. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you're having to track that so crazy, it's like you're hurting deliverability by tracking it. So it's kind of like, you know, kind of a, a weird situation. So reply rate has been like around 30%. So okay. that's really good. I think, yeah. you know, it's even gone a little bit higher than that, but that's pretty damn good. Again, that's like speaking language. That's getting the deal. This is just on the cold email side, right? Which is not all we're doing. So 30% reply rate out of those about, it's about 10%. 10% of those of those 30% are are qualified, are 100% qualified, like good okay. good leads, you know, and been deemed good leads. And yeah, going to meeting rate, it really depends. But on average, generally, the meeting rate that we get is about 50%. So, you know, if, it, if it's a really interested lead, again, that totally depends. It could be like from 50 to 100%, honestly, in terms of an interested lead who, you know, said, hey, I'm available at five, you know, call me or whatever, or I'm good on Monday. What time's good for you, you know? Are you going through a qualification process with them after they respond? Yes and no. I mean, generally, if it's not interested, remove me from the list, blah, 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 that accounts in the reply rate. The ones that are like positive, that are like, I'm ready to meet right now. I'm ready to go. Right. So there's no real qualification, but just the intention of the reply where they're like, hey, how do you guys do this specific thing? So that 10% of the 30% are those positive replies. Exactly. Exactly. Positive replies. Yep. 10 10 to 15% like going up and down. And then we're also doing Google ads for these guys. So on the Google ads side, that's about 10 leads a day from Google ads. And they're getting leads for about 60 bucks off off Google ads, basically from down from 200 a lead a couple of years ago. And this is just, again, like we really love to do the, the cold email is amazing for outbound, you know, outreach and finding strategic partnership partnerships, finding distributors, finding end clients that again, it's a longer nurturing process. It's just kind of filling the pipeline with like more and more, you know, kind of sales opportunities. Mm-hmm. The Google ads is capturing demand. Like there's big demand out there for what they do. There's, we're only bidding on like a handful of keywords, you know what I mean? It's a very simple campaign, but we just keep optimizing the bidding, keep optimizing the, the keyword ad groups, restructuring it. Those two methods together, they're getting like about, they're getting between 10 and 20 leads a day on average, basically from those two things together. And awesome. uh, it's all kind of bundled together, but they're just, yeah, they're crushing it, man. Seven months, they're booked for seven months last time I checked, which was like last week. So awesome. <laughs> maybe even gone up from then. 200 to 400 emails sent per batch. Are those 200 to 400 different people at different companies? Yeah, a mixture. Yeah, it's generally we don't try to hit more than five people at a company. That's generally kind of the rule of thumb, at least in a batch. You know, I guess it depends on the size of the company. We haven't really worked with going after like enormous, enormous companies. Usually if it's Lockheed Martin, it's like a department of Lockheed Martin that focuses on like the engineering or whatever. So we only reach out generally like five people at a time from a company. We don't want to like do that thing where you end up kind of feeling like people are at the water cooler and they're talking about like, did you get this email from this guy again? Fuck man. It's like, he's emailing, you know, it's like, it can actually be more real than you think. You know what I mean? So we, we go for five. Yeah, so five, up to five, five people at each company. So out of that 200 to 400, it's groups of people at the same company using yep, that yep. waterfall it, approach. Exactly, exactly. And that'd be for the bigger comp- for the bigger fish. For the smaller fish, generally it's only the founder, maybe two people at the company. It'd be like maybe the the main like founder guy who's going to be like everything goes through the founder guy, right? Like if it's, if it's like under 100 employees, right? Generally you're going to be speaking to like the founder Stuff like that. So in that case, it'll be less and it'll be like 200, 400, pretty much all different companies, smaller companies. There's also more smaller companies, right? So it's, it makes it easier that way. So yeah, it kind of depends on the segment. Awesome. I think what I really took away from you explaining your process and then just this case study of working with this customer in particular is like the amount of upfront 
decision-making, amount of upfront effort on even before you're working with this client, screening them, but let's say after you screen them and bringing them in, understanding their market, understanding their language, right? Understanding how they talk to their prospects and how people talk, understanding where those prospects are. These are, these are all things that are done before sending a single email. Absolutely, man. And if you don't, you really see the difference. Like it's crazy, you know, and and that's really been the big comment. Like you, you were asking what set us apart. And I think it's been the big comment that we get from everybody when we do kind of like a a testimonial call or just kind of checking in with them. It's like, you know, they're like, yeah, you guys put the work in up front, like end of the story. Like everybody else we've worked with, they just, they're so antsy to get results right away. They just start doing stuff and they don't put the time in to go, this is a complex industry. Like what's going on in here? Also the demand is a big deal. You know, I think whatever industry you're in, it's going to be like a meter, right? Like from like absolutely no demand, like creating demand, which I think cold email is really good for and, and LinkedIn is really good for all the way to like, there's a ton of demand in the industry, right? So knowing where the client is and that kind of meter, right? A little bit too, it'll help you to kind of, what's the best strategy for this particular person or what's the best strategy for my company being where we are in this space or whatever, you know what I mean? Like if you were doing for yourself, like if you're like in a space like this and you're not using like Microsoft ads, you're not fucking with Bing ads at all. And there's demand in the market for what you're doing and there's search volume and stuff and the costs per click are fairly high and stuff looks pretty competitive. I mean, what are you doing, right? Right. You got to get in there. You got to get in that mix and cold email is going to supplement that. It could even boost that and kind of build out other sides of the the pipeline, but you still want some of that inbound action and stuff. So just, you know, I think there's no one size fits all. I know that just as a quick thing to take away on being, you know what I mean? As a thing that we're, we're starting to use more and more and uh, experiment with, and we're seeing some interesting results come back is that being like 70% of Bing users make over 70 grand a year, right? Like really? they, yeah. Like a couple of my buddies who deal with billionaires and, you know, been in the banking industry and stuff, tell me, man, all these billionaires, they got AOL addresses still, they're still using their old, their old AOL tracked, address. Right? They don't, don't want to be tracked right. and they just, they're too busy with shit. They don't care what their email is. They're not right. tech people. Right. So they got their AOL address still from the old days, but now Microsoft ads is targeting AOL users. Right. So, I mean, you got like, I think in terms of like growth hacking or whatever you want to call that, I personally kind of like that term because I think it's kind of, I come from kind of like a hacking. I, I knew a bunch of hackers grew up with hack, computer hacker guys, you know, and stuff. And yeah, hack this thing and finding the, the lowest hanging fruit, man, is always a great thing. And cold email is just a great way to create demand. So if there's no demand, agree. Then, yeah, it's just great. You know, quick thing on email copy. I forgot to ask, do you sure. personalize your emails or how do you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we do. It's not, I'm not claiming to where, you know, we're looking for ways to get deeper into personalization. I know the limbless, you know, set system with the gifts and the kind of like uh, placeholder images mm-hmm. and the cool kind of like dynamic images and stuff. It's really cool stuff. You know, for the space that we're in, it's not the most imperative thing in the world, to be honest with you. I don't believe, I think for deliverability, we definitely use first name, company name, things like that. Well, we'll kind of try to personalize it and say, hey, we worked with companies like company name before and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, very basic personalization, but we really haven't got into the whole, we do recommend that sales reps that we work with use Loom and use Vidyard and use things like Mm -hmm. that to send video follow-ups and stuff like that. But on the cold email side, we generally try to keep it, like I said, just keep it as simple as possible. You know what I mean? Like in in general, we just try to keep it dumb, dumb, simple. So it just can be effective. In this industry, you don't necessarily need to look up information about people and like personalize it. I mean, in a perfect world, I think that would be the case, but I mm-hmm. think to get numbers on the board, we, you know, we've been much more, again, too, these aren't guys that get a whole lot of emails in right. general, like from these kinds of things. And it really does feel like a one-to-one approach to them, even if it's just lightly personalized, like, Hey, Morgan saw that company name is doing great work. Wanted to reach out, you know, something very kind of generic, but to them, it doesn't feel as generic as like to us where we're in like, you know, the MarTech industry and your marketing and stuff. So it it like, just depends on industry. Depends on the market so much, man. I mean, I think there's situations I've seen like, List, in fact, publishing stuff where they do like the high, like first name placeholder. Oh, yeah. whoops, not nah, you thought I was that lazy. No, nah, I'm just kidding, man. I'm going, Joe, <laughs> you know, da, da, da. In a certain industry, I think that's going to, you know, strike a nerve, make someone laugh, going to incite a response. I think in this space, that's just going to be like, what the hell is this email? They're like, yeah, yeah what are, we, yeah, what are, what what are you trying this? to say, dog? Like, I, 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 I need manufacturing done on me. Like, I don't, I, I don't know what the, you know. So you know, it totally depends on the market. And that's why that upfront work is so important. Like you said, that's the big takeaway, man. It's just, you know, without a strategy, without knowing who these guys are, I mean, you can never make a campaign that's going to work that well. And you're not going to know what to test. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Absolutely. 
But Alex. still having that commander's intent, dude, no matter what, right? The strategy's in place. The pieces are all in place. You know what the goal is. But if something ain't working and maybe that like first name placeholder thing I just mentioned, you know, that kind of clever little thing. I mean, mm -hmm. hey man, if all else fails, pull out the pull out the back end ideas, man, and pull stuff out of nowhere and launch campaigns and, and try stuff out, right? Just, when does just it do your thing? When do you throw in the towel, not with everything, but just with the strategy? When do you decide? Yeah. That's a good question. You know, what I've found, the only reason that we throw in the towel or that I've thrown in the towel in the past has been when clients do not have a unique value proposition or a unique approach to what they do, a unique pricing model, a unique, something they do better than everyone else, yada, yada, right? Like a different way of packaging the thing. They don't have something that's unique or some results to show. Generally, that would cause us to throw in the towel. Like we worked with some marketing agencies that were kind of like sort of friends and stuff, trying to help them out, and do some campaigns. And, you know, they were just a full service agency that kind of does the same thing as everyone else. Right. And there was just no traction, man. We just couldn't get tracked. No matter how clever we got, no matter how interesting the message was, it was just, yeah, you're like the 50th person to pitch the same shit to me, right? <laughs> so it just, it just doesn't work. You know what I mean? So if there's something unique going on that we won't throw in the towel. And a lot of times like in campaigns, like, we kind of have a policy where like, if we don't get you leads and you know, things are kind of going rough and we're not really getting it. Like you don't pay that second month until we start to get the flow going until we start to get some leads coming in and we're feeling confident that otherwise basically we'll step away from it. But like, we'll give you another, like potentially another month free in the future here to just to kind of get the results flowing. But recently we have not had that problem. And since we niched down, since we kind of looked at sort of a, a more full funnel approach, capturing demand and creating demand at the same time, all this stuff that I'm speaking on, we haven't had this problem at all. Everything's been pretty much sailing, sailing pretty. So know your niche, know your customers, know their customers, understand the psychology of reaching out to somebody, interrupting their day, and just know that all that stuff's like the most powerful marketing you can do, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Awesome. Alex Gray, check him out at growthboost.net. Yes, sir. Awesome. Thank you, Morgan. Pleasure to have you. Same with you, man. All right. You take it easy. You too, brother. I had a great time interviewing Alex. He has a tremendous amount of mental toughness and grit. So much of B2B lead generation is played between the ears and having mental toughness is key. Look, if you have a question about this episode, ideas on what could be better, or even a suggestion on what I should talk about next, please send me an email at morgan, M-O-R-G-A-N, at morgandwilliams.com that's m-o-r-g-a-n-d as in david w-i-l-l-i-a-m-s.com thanks for listening